Come on now, who's ready for Christmas this year? Who's excited about it? Yes. I'd like to have a little bit of fun, have a little bit of fun up here. We want to welcome you. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, thank you so much for being here this morning. We want to welcome everybody watching online all over the world, especially our launch team there in Grayson. We were so excited about you, believing the best obviously is yet to come. Again, we'll kick off this new series called A Thrill of Hope. And I just want to recap here in case you missed last Sunday what happened. As Pastor Adam said, we had our largest ever non-holiday attendance, which is awesome. That's great. But we had 55 people give their life to Jesus in the house. One person give their life to Jesus online. And then we had six people give their life to Jesus at Bell Grove when we did a small group there this past Thursday. That's amazing, guys. Is not God good? And if you flip two Sundays ago, we saw 13 people give their life to Jesus. That's 74 people in the last two weeks. I think God is up to something in the house. God is up to something great. And as we prayed and asked God to save people and our friends and our families, let's just thank Him for His goodness and for answering our prayers. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You so much that You woke us up this morning, gave us breath that we may have life that we get to worship you today. Father, last week you answered the cries of a heart. You did what only you could do. No preaching, no singing, no facility. No one can save anyone but you. And God, you did that this week. And we're so thankful, Lord, for moving in our families and our friends' life. And God, we know there's still so many more. Thousands of people in our community and thousands of people in grace and Lord who don't know you. And God, we're here today, so we're to carry the hope, we're to carry the good news to our family and our friends and all over the world. God, we can't wait to see what you're going to do. We know you have done great. You're doing great things. You're going to continue to do great things in and through these bodies of believers, Lord. We love you, Jesus. For it's your name we ask and we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. How many of you love the Christmas season? Come on, get your hand up. If you love the Christmas season, my wife got both hands up. She didn't put a foot up. Do you see that? I'm telling you, love the Christmas season. Okay, what do you love about the Christmas season? What comes to your mind right now? What's your favorite thing about the Christmas season? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the person sitting beside you what the favorite thing is. Go ahead, tell them. What's your favorite thing about the Christmas season? Tell them. Tell them. I'm trying to get y'all some gifts. Come on now, tell them your favorite thing about the Christmas season. Now, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things about the Christmas season is Christmas movies. Who loves Christmas movies? I mean, I love them. We DVR them and we'll watch them in June. You know what I'm saying? Like, we love Christmas movies. I mean, come on. Jim Carrey, The Grinch, is that not awesome? I mean, one of the classics, right? Amazing, amazing. Buddy the Elf, any Elf fans in the house? Come on, love Elf. Come on, I love some syrup, right, and spaghetti and sugar. Just give me sugar, right? I mean, love it, love it, love it. And then Home Alone classic. I mean, a classic Home Alone, right? I mean, even our youth right now, they're going through Christmas uh, movies, uh, Christmas at the movies, and, and it's a crazy time when we show video clips of Christmas stories and Jacob, Pastor Jacob, used to preach about it. But have you ever thought about how jacked up the Home Alone story is? Who sits around and think, let's just create a movie where we leave a kid home on Christmas, right? I mean, what? I mean, is that not so dysfunctional and messed up as it comes, right? And then you cannot talk about Christmas movies without talking about National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Can I get a witness? Right? I mean, come on. That put the D in dysfunctional, right? I mean, have you ever noticed 
Have you ever noticed like all Christmas stories talk or lead with dysfunctional families? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, think about it. Every Christmas story, there's something chaotic with the family. Dad's not home, mom's not home, or the kid's gone crazy. And somehow on Christmas Day, isn't it amazing? The pinnacle of Christmas Day, everything comes together and the story ends and we cry and boo-hoo. It's a great Christmas story. But you can't get past Christmas vacation without talking about cousin... Eddie, yes, Cousin Eddie. This past week, our staff, we had our Christmas staff party. It was awesome. We had funs and games, and we had, like, different sweaters. You can wear ugly sweaters in competition. And did you know Cousin Eddie stopped by? We've got a picture of him. Check it out here. Cousin Eddie swung by the office. Yes! Wait a second. Mama Sparks, wait a second. I think, is that Brandon? That's Brandon. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's Brandon. Kids of Brandon leads worship. Somebody. Awesome. Way to go, Brandon. Man, I didn't know who. I thought it was Cousin Eddie. So there's two disclaimers. Number one, that's his wife's robe. And uh, number two, he had something underneath the robe, okay? So if you need to email Pastor Adam at BearLifeChurch.com, you can, and he would help you answer any question you may have about Cousin Eddie. Thank you so much, Cousin Eddie. But come on, think about it. What is your Christmas story like? I mean, think about your Christmas story. I mean, every Christmas story has like the four F's, right? Food, fun, family, and fighting, right? Right? Don't you say they're like you have a halo on. You know who I'm talking to. Right? I mean, that's like our Christmas story, right? Uncle Billy shows up with a new girlfriend, and we didn't know he was coming with a new girlfriend. Am I preaching anybody, right? This is, is this your family? Your mother-in-law still don't think you can cook. I mean, think about it. I mean, all this stuff. You have people talking about how cheap everyone is. I can't believe that's all they got us. I mean, right? I mean, are you kidding me? I thought they'd give us something else besides that, another pair of socks. Come on, right? I'm serious. And then you had people complain about what they didn't get. And then you still have family members sitting in the same room around the same tree who haven't spoken months. You know, this stuff happens. And we're like, how dysfunction is our family? And then we have kids. They get everything they want and they're still ungrateful. Am I preaching to anybody? I mean, Santa's on strike this year. Tariff's going up. I mean, it's on strikes. I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, and they're like, they're ungrateful. And it's like, and here's the crazy thing for this. You know what the crazy thing is? You pay money for this. <laughs> we pay money for all this dysfunction that's taking our family. And then all of a sudden in January, we're wondering why we overspend. We swipe the credit card and we're not on a budget. We're trying to win with our money in 2019. And all of this, we even paid for it to happen. And I know we laugh about it, but for the reality of us, that's what the next 15 days is going to be like. The next 15 days, we're going to be around dysfunctional family with a dysfunctional story. And hopefully it's not like last Christmas with a dysfunctional Christmas. That people begin to, you know, maybe to argue about, hey, when things didn't go the way you thought or, or now the reality is this. You have, you know, two or three step parents and you got to go to two or three step parents' house. And then you got four sets of grandparents and, and you're wondering who you're going to go to first. And you got to make time. You got to sit the schedule. You're on a tight schedule. But two hours, someone's late for two hours and throws everything off. And then all of a sudden, what? It's a dysfunctional Christmas. And what's supposed to be happy and exciting, we're all tense and fighting. Now, I don't know about you, but does that explain most of our story when it comes around Christmas? And so I thought about that. Most of us have a dysfunctional family, obviously. And if you don't have a dysfunctional family, if you don't think you have a dysfunctional family, that's because you're the one who's dysfunctional. <laughs> right? But have you ever thought about the first Christmas story? 
I mean, how dysfunctional that was. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, this is the very fast. I love Luke. Luke's a, a Gentile. He, he's not a Jew. He, he's also a physician. He writes with uh, specific details about the story, about the life of Jesus. And he gives specific details of the Christmas story. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know where to start in the Bible, or if you're kind of chaotic and you don't know where to read, once you pick your Bible up today, start in Luke chapter 1 and begin to read through it because it's a beautiful picture of the Christmas story. But in Luke chapter 1, we don't begin with the birth of Jesus. We actually begin with this couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now let me tell you something about Zach. Zach is a Jewish priest. His wife, Elizabeth, she's from Aaron, the most priestly line there is. I mean, she comes from the priestly line of Aaron. That doesn't mean nothing to us. But back in the day, when you can tra tra trace your genealogy, that means a lot. Both of them were godly. They were righteous. They were not sinless, but they were righteous. They were old. Elizabeth was past her childbearing age. She could not have children. They never had any kids. And one day, Zach shows up to the temple, and it's time to do his priestly business. And they cast lots. I like to say they draw straws of who was going to go in and light the incense. Today, it's like paper, rock, scissors, shoot, right? Who gets to go in and light the incense? You can read all through this in Luke chapter 1. Well, the lot falls on Zach. So Zach, Zachariah goes into the temple. He lights the incense, and all of a sudden... The angel Gabriel appears to him. Now, we talked about angels a while back, and we talked specifically about Gabriel. Gabriel appears to him and says, God has heard your prayer. How many of you thankful that God hears our prayers? Come on, he's thankful that God hears our prayers. We just talked a whole a message, a whole series on how to hear God's voice and how to communicate with him. And he says this, God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, will have a son. And he, she will conceive. And you are to name him John. And John's going to be amazing. John is going to be great in the eyes of the Lord. He's going to take the Nazarite vow, which he's never going to touch wine. He's never going to touch any alcoholic beverages. In fact, he will be filled with the Spirit while he is in his mama's womb. And he will come out preaching with the power of Elijah. Now, that may not mean nothing to us. But can you imagine that? Then an angel tells you that your son's going to be great in the eyes of the Lord. He's going to preach like, a, like Elijah the prophet, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Could you imagine having that, that sticker on the back of your minivan, right? right. My kids are smart, straight A's. Woohoo! My preacher's like Elijah. Get you some. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My kid is ushering in the Messiah. I don't care what your kids score on the test. Come on, right? I mean, could you imagine? I mean, here's Zach. He's so excited to hear this, but guess what happens? He doubts. He says, how can this be? I don't believe you. And Gabriel says, because you don't believe the word of the Lord, what's going to happen, Zach, is you're going to be mute, and you will not be able to speak until Elizabeth gives birth to John. And then Zach walks out of the temple and all the people are around and he started giving sign languages because he could not speak. And they said, he must have seen a vision from the Lord. And he fulfills his priestly duties and then he goes home and his wife Elizabeth conceives. And now she's five months pregnant, going on to six months, and Gabriel decides to reappear again. The Bible says that God sent Gabriel to the next town over, to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is very important. Hang tight. We're going to talk about Nazareth out of Christmas series. You don't want to miss on that Saturday and Sunday. Bring everybody out. It's going to be awesome. We do a community-wide Christmas service. It's going to be awesome. We'll talk about Nazareth. But Gabriel goes to Nazareth, and guess who he finds in Nazareth? Mary. 
Here's this young teenage girl. She's engaged to Joe. Joseph, right? She's engaged to Joe. Joe is from the descendant of King David. Now, you can't picture this any better. This is amazing because this is the line that the tribe of Judas comes. This is the one that, that the Messiah comes from. This is the one that maybe I could be picked. He's from the lineage of King David. This is crazy. And Gabriel appears to Mary and says, most highly favored woman. God has found favor with you. And guess what's going to happen? You are going to be with the son. You're going to conceive and give birth to Jesus. And that's who you're to name him. You're to name him Yeshua, which means Joshua. That's a very common name in the first century. So many people were named Jesus. That's why we call him Jesus the Christ. So we know Jesus, the Messiah one that we're talking about. And she doesn't doubt God that she's going to carry the Messiah. She doubt God how it's going to happen. And we know that this was a very, very honest answer or question she had because Gabriel didn't rebuke her like he did Zach. Zach didn't believe and he said, you're going to be mute. But her, she, didn't, she understood that she could carry the Messiah. She knew this. But she said, how could this be? Because I'm a virgin. I'm engaged. I'm not even slept with anyone. I just don't physically understand how can I carry the Messiah when I'm a virgin. And he says, listen, here's what's going to happen. And, and we don't know the whole mystery of it, but here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will conceive. And you will to call, he will be called the Son of God. And she says, whatever you say, let it be done to me. And he says, oh, by the way, guess what? Your relative, Elizabeth, guess what? She's pregnant too. She's six months pregnant right now. And she's going to have a baby born in her old age. And you know what takes place? All of a sudden, Mary gets excited, and she wants to go and talk to Elizabeth about that. Now, listen, you talk about dysfunction. Is that not crazy? Could you imagine? Can you imagine that? I, I'm pregnant, and, and I've never slept with anyone. That's dysfunctional, y'all. You know what I'm saying? That's very dysfunctional. Can you imagine your parents? What? What? And oh, by the way, the, your relative that's very old in her age, she's pregnant too. What? And she's in hiding right now because she's pregnant. What, in, what is going on? You talk about dysfunction. And all of a sudden, the Bible tells that Mary takes off, and we pick up in verse 39 in the story, where Mary takes off and runs to Elizabeth after Gabriel tells her the news and that she was pregnant. Look what happens in verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. Let me stop right there. We have no idea. Scholars, we have no idea. But somewhere from when Gabriel appeared to Mary, and a few days later, before she ran off to see Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit came upon her and conceived. We, we don't know exactly the day. We don't know. We know at this point, here's what we do know. At this point, she's now pregnant when she gets to Elizabeth, and she's carrying the Messiah, the Son of God. Let's pick back up in verse 40. She ran to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. This, remember, Elizabeth, he's car she's carrying John the Baptist. I mean, you're talking about dynamic duo here. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. The baby jumped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Gabriel said. He will be filled with the Spirit while he's in his mom's womb. And Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child that you carry right now is blessed. She wasn't jealous. She wasn't upset. 
She said, you have been favored. And then she says in verse 43, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord, of my Savior, she already knew this, of my God would visit me. And she says, when I heard your greeting, you know, I've been reading this book, What to Expect When Expecting, but something happened right here on the sixth month because the baby in the mama's womb jumped for joy. And it wasn't just a regular old movement. This baby did like a back somersault move. I mean, something happened. Something I know within me jumped for joy just at the greeting of your presence in my house. And she says this, you are blessed because you believe the Lord would do what he said he would do. Now, there's more to the story, and we're going about the birth of Jesus. We're going about the Christmas story. We'll get to that down the road. But this is where I want to stop because this is where I think, honestly, when I read through this, where it's going to talk and hit most of us at home. I want you to notice something about Elizabeth. Elizabeth responded with joy when Mary came in the room at the news that Mary was carrying Christ. The baby, John, leaps for joy. Now, obviously, he's not consciously aware of this, but something unique happens where Elizabeth and the detailed writing of the physician, Dr. Luke here, writes for us, lets us know something was different about this leap. It wasn't just like a bam, a kick. It's something changed that her understanding that the greeting of Mary, the baby, leaped for joy. And my question is, why? Why did that happen? And here's, here's, here's the answer. It's because Mary was carrying Christ. Mary was carrying good news. Mary was carrying hope. And when she came into the room, Elizabeth and the baby was filled with joy. Now, now here's the point. A lot of us are heading into dysfunctional settings this Christmas. Dysfunctional workplaces, dysfunctional school, dysfunctional family, however you want to name it. We all are heading into dysfunctional settings. And my question to you is, how will people respond when you walk in the room? How are people going to respond when you walk in the room? Because here's the reality. Mary was carrying Christ. Good news. Hope, but listen to me. Let me speak to every one of you watching online and in Grayson and right here today in the house. Let me speak to you. If you're a Christian, every single one of us who are Christians, guess what? We carry Christ too. We carry good news too. We carry hope too. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. There's power in your presence. There's power in your presence when you go into your school, when you go into work, when you go into your dysfunctional setting this Christmas, when you have two family members who are still not talking to each other. There's power in your presence because you are carrying the Messiah. You are carrying Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are carrying the hope within you to this world. And when you think about that, when your mind begins to perceive, here's the reality. You can change the atmosphere because of who's in you. Which means this, I get to respond differently to the chaos and dysfunction in my family this Christmas. It don't have to be like last Christmas. 
For instance, when family members don't talk, when the turkey gets burnt, can I get a witness, right? I mean, when the kids are ungrateful, when the plans don't go the way you plan because you got to be at one step parents at this one, one great grandparents at this one, and you got to get here and everything's thrown off track. Guess what? Here's the good news. You get to respond accordingly to who's in you. It is your choice. It is your choice how you're going to respond this Christmas to your dysfunctional family because the reality is this, we all have them. Every single one of us. And if I will leave here today knowing this, that I carry the same thing. I carry Christ. I carry hope. I carry good news into every circumstance that I face this Christmas season. Listen, that means this. I have the power to respond to dysfunction differently than the people around me. And that applies to every one of us who are Christ Followers, I love what it says in Galatians 2.20. It says this, my old self has been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but look what it says. But Christ lives in me. He lives in me. And because Christ is in me, I have the power to change the atmosphere around me. Because of who is in me. Because without Christ, we are nothing. So you don't have to be bought down by dysfunction this Christmas season. In fact, the opposite is true. You get to respond in the Spirit this Christmas. And what are the response to the Spirit in the midst of darkness, depression, anxiety, chaos, dysfunction? What is the results that I get to choose? Watch this. When family members don't get along, when people don't get what they want, when schedules change and times change and circumstances change, guess what? Because I carry Christ, the hope of glory, guess what? I get to choose to walk in the Spirit. I get to choose love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Watch this. Listen to me, men. Gentleness. Faithfulness. And here's evidence that you're walking in the Spirit. Self-control. Because let me tell you, the dysfunctional family and the settings, this, this applies at work, at school, Cracker Barrel, Walmart, doesn't matter. This applies wherever you go. Your family's watching you this Christmas. The ones that you've been praying for the ones that you've been inviting to church. And here's what they're thinking. You're just as jacked up as they are. And when you respond with anger or resentment or bitterness, impatience, and you lose control, they are watching. So this Christmas season, let's go into this dysfunctional Christmas. Let's just call it what it is. We're all headed into something dysfunctional. And let's just say, I'm going to choose to carry Christ. I'm going to choose to carry hope. I'm going to choose to carry the good news and respond and walk in the Spirit. And I'm telling you, last Christmas don't have to be like this one. It could change. It can be different. Why? Because Christ lives in me. I love this. Colossians 1.27. Paul says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of his mystery. Now, what, what is this? There's either Jew or Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Thanks be to God, 
that Paul brought the good news to the Gentiles, to us. But what he's trying to say, he's telling the Jews, this is a mystery. And what is the mystery? Look what he says right here at the end of verse 27. Here's the mystery. Christ in you. That's the mystery. Christ, you're a Christ carrier. Christ in you, which is the hope of glory, which Paul was fascinated. He said, Jews, listen, it's amazing. This is the mystery. God has allowed salvation to come to the Gentiles. God lives within them, and now they get to share in the hope of His glory. And Paul said, this is a mystery that God would come and live in us. And then God says this about his son in Matthew 12, verse 18. He says, look at my servant, talking about Jesus. I've chosen him. He's beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Verse 21, and his name, the name above all names, the name that Gabriel said to name him, Jesus. His name will be what? Look what he says, the hope of the world. Folks, listen. Jesus is the hope of the world. And we have been called as Christians to carry Christ to the nations, to carry Christ in our workplaces, in our families, to carry the good news on the court, off the court, in the locker room, out of the locker room. We've been called to carry hope to the hopeless all around us. And folks, there's hopelessness all around us. In fact, Matthew 28 says it like this. Jesus came and told his disciples, which applies to me and you, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, go, go to your family, go to your workplace, go to your teammates or your classmates, go to your coaches, go to your teacher, go to your work environments, go. As you are going through life, here's what I want you to do. Make disciples of all ethnic groups, all people groups. That's what the word nation means. All people groups. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've commanded, I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm always with you because I'm in you. Even to the end of the age, even when life gets tough, even when it's dark, I am with you. So I have two challenges I want to challenge you with as we finish up today. Is this my first challenge? Let me speak to you individually, and then I'm gonna to speak to us corporately. Individually, this Thrill of Hope series, it's all about bringing hope to the hopelessness. And let's just face it, what I just described about dysfunctional family, you could probably amen me and say, Pastor, you're speaking right to me. But here's my challenge to you. Would you be like Mary? this Christmas season and understand that you are carrying Christ, that you carry hope, you carry potential, you carry the good news. And that when you walk into your dysfunctional setting in the next 15 to 16 days, would you choose to respond in the spirit that no matter what happens, even if things don't go the way I think they're going to go and the plans that I have and the the house the way it needs to be and the time that people need to show up, even though it doesn't go, I'm going to choose this Christmas to bring hope by how I respond with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. So my first challenge to you is listen, carry hope in the midst of your chaos and dysfunctional settings. And there's a second thing, the challenge to us as a corporate body 
The Bible has called us to go. He's called us to go. And for the last several years, we knew that this was coming. And so back in August, if you remember, corporately, we said that we feel the Lord is leading us to start a church, to launch a campus in Carter County in Grayson. Folks, do you know that in Rowan County this morning that 18,000 people stayed home and did not go to a house of worship? Do you know in Carter County today, 20,000 people stayed at home and did not go to a house of worship? That is 38,000 people in a 30-minute radius. Are you kidding me? We have been called to carry hope to the hopelessness. We have been called to go. The greatest evangelistic strategy on the planet is to plant a church. More people are saved through church planting than any other type of mission outreach. It's church planting. Every single church you've ever attended your whole entire life, someone thought of that church and it's a church plant. Do you know that? Every church, I don't care how old it is, your home church, your old church, it doesn't matter. Every single church you've ever went to, someone thought, we need a church up that holler. We need a church on the other side of the farm. We need a church downtown in that city. And because of that, guess what? Your life has been changed because of church planting. And so when the Lord told us to go, to plant a church, we knew this was coming. And on January the 27th, that's going to be our 11-year anniversary for Better Life Church, we will launch officially the Grace and Campus. The core team, the launch team right now, they're meeting, they're training, they're getting everything together. They're doing awesome. We love you guys. You keep up the great work. We found a place to meet. We couldn't find a place. No one let us rent the place that we tried to find that would hold everybody that we believe God's going to send. So we finally found us a permanent facility to rent for a little while because we will outgrow it. And it's at the Grayson Conference Center. It's a great location. It's right off the interstate. It's a perfect location to reach people from Ashland and Greenup County and, and, and uh, Lewis County and Sandy Hook and even Louisa. Man, people even come from Huntington, West Virginia. You know God's up to something. Somebody come from Huntington, West Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Right? Listen. And we knew this was coming. And so we had to get in position. And so if you're new to us, if this is your first time or first time in a while, you, this is tradition for us, what we're about to do. Every year at the end of the year, we, we, we designate because we believe when God blesses us, God don't bless us just to bless us. He blesses us to bless others. You don't give to the church. You actually give through the church. And let me tell you something about your generosity, even here at home. 61 people this past week gave their life to Jesus because of you and your generosity to believe in this ministry. But let me tell you something else. Do you know because of your generosity, we're going to be feeding through an organization 100 families in this community that don't have access to what they need for the Christmas dinner. And because of your generosity, just to let you know, you're going to be feeding over 100 families. Someone probably should have said amen or shout or did something. At least give a golf clap. And so every year we designate. Sometimes we designate to organizations in our community, designate to mission organizations. This year we decided to designate every bit of it to launch on the Gracie campus. When you do your research on launching campuses, statistically shows you it takes about a little over a quarter million dollars, somewhere between 250000 depending on what city you're in, up to 750000 to launch a campus. Crazy. But we knew this was coming and we wanted to get in position and we think we could do it less than that. And so what we've been planning for the last two years was this moment. 
And so for, I want you to understand the stewardship of the finances of this house. We have been putting aside for the last two years funds to launch this campus. And right now we have roughly $50,000 set aside to launch this campus. But we believe next week when we take up our year in offering, we're asking, we're believing that when we have 150,000 come in, that's going to start the campus and push us all the way into 2019. It's going to propel us through it. It's going to go through it. So I just want you to know, everything that comes in, we've already been practicing this. We've been putting money aside waiting. We've already been buying some equipment. The good news is we already had some of the equipment, but because we're going into a permanent facility, that changes the game because we thought we were going to be portable. But God says, we got a facility for you to meet in. And so that changes the game. So here's the strategy. I have pastor friends, they'll call me, they'll say, how in the world did y'all build a facility and you didn't do a capital campaign? You didn't do a fundraising or any of that stuff. I'm going to tell you our secret. You want to know our secret? Here's our secret. I'm going to tell you our strategy. And we've been like this since day one. Here's what I want you to do. Every one of you who calls a Better Life Church your home church, watching online in the house. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. And here's what I want you to pray. Jesus, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to give? And then watch how simple this is. Listen to Jesus and do whatever he tells you to do. That's it. That's it. Because here's the reality. This is not between me and you. This ain't between me and you. This ain't between you and the church. This is between you and the Lord. You just go and say, Lord, what would you have me to do to be part of launching this church? And then listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do. That's how simple it is. And then next week, we'll take up our offering. And whatever we take up, it goes, all of it goes to launch that campus, one of the greatest evangelistic strategies we have, because there are going to be hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people are going to be saved in that region. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And if you're not going to be here next week and you're like, man, I'm going to be out of town, I wasn't going to be here, it's okay. You can give online, you can do that as well. My wife and I, we automate every month. We automate what's important to us. And so every month it just automates our gifts. And so next week, as we think through this and we pray together, God, what would you have us to give? We'll just listen to Jesus, do what he tells you to do. And let's just see what the Lord does. I'm gonna ask you would just to bow your heads just for a moment. You know, the greatest thing that could happen today, <laughs> whether you're watching online or here this morning, is that somehow through the preaching of this word that God has spoken to you. Maybe for you, he realized that you need to respond differently to the dysfunction you're about to step into. That's awesome. Listen to him. He's speaking to you. Maybe he's responded to you. Say, you know what? I live over next to Grayson and my response is I want to be part of that launch team. I want to be part of something new. Starts up. That's going to be amazing. Maybe he wants you to do that. Maybe he just tugged at your heart and says, you know what? I want you to be part of helping this launch. Awesome. Listen to him. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. But you know, the greatest thing is he's calling your name. And you know intellectually about Jesus, but you've never given your heart to him. Maybe you came here last week when Pastor Clayton was preaching and you didn't respond, but you came back. Because you couldn't sleep this week because God was doing something in your life. Well, I want to encourage you. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you. Would you yield and give your life to Jesus today? Honestly, that's the greatest thing you can do. How do I do that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you know why Gabriel 
appeared to Mary is so that she would give birth to the Messiah so that one day that little baby would grow up and die on a cross for you and for me. So we say this all the time, saying a prayer doesn't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And maybe your heart declares Jesus Christ is Lord this morning. And if that's so, would you pray with me to say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I'm gonna give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I put my faith, my trust and my hope in you. Now help me live for you all the days of my life. Now if that's you, I just want to know. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, man, today, I just want you to know I just prayed for you. Whether you're watching online, the Gracie campus, doesn't matter. Pastor, I just pray that with you. If that's you, will you just raise your hand real quick? I'm going to pray for you. Say, Lord, I gave my life to Jesus. I just want you to know, Pastor, I just prayed for you. Come on. Awesome. Anybody else? Come on. Get it up there. Awesome. You put your hand down. Maybe you just need somebody to talk to. You need to go to the red room and we want to pray for you. For those who raise your hand, if you'll go to the red room, we have some stuff we want to give you and help you through walk with Jesus. Way to start the Christmas season. The greatest gift you just received, which was Jesus. So come on, church. Let's pray together if you stand to your feet. God, we want to thank you so much again for the opportunity to worship you, that you love us, that you died for us, that you got out of the grave for us. And today we come and celebrate that life as we worship you. We thank you for salvation in the house this morning. God, that you're saving people. You're still saving people, Lord. So thank you so much. I pray as we launch this campus in the grace that we will see thousands and thousands of people saved. Family trees change. Generations change because of the faithfulness of your people. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.